us continue praying together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we say all glory be to Christ. Because we know that's what the angels and the creatures and the elders are celebrating and saying right now around your throne. All glory be to Christ. Your rule, your reign will sing of forever. This will always be our song. All glory be to Christ. And even as we say that and acknowledge that this morning, Lord, we ask for your forgiveness. For we grow weary of praising you here. Our hearts don't beat with the kind of passion that exists around your throne right now. We, we have idols. We worship things that are not you. We celebrate things that dishonor you. And so, Lord, forgive us. Forgive us that your will is not done in our lives like it's done in heaven. And I pray, come Lord Jesus and make all things new. Come Lord, redeem your creation and redeem your people that we might do your will on earth as it's done in heaven. Lord, speak to us. We need you today. We are desperate people and we look to your word for your truth. Spirit of truth, would you come and illumine our minds and hearts to receive the truth, to know the truth, and to walk in the truth. We ask you for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated and as you do, grab your Bible and please open with me to the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 5. If you don't have a copy of Scripture with you today, maybe you can find one in the pew rack in front of you. And if you're using that pew Bible, Revelation 5 is, I believe, on page 1030. As you're turning to Revelation 5, let me give you your monthly reminder that there is no S on the end of Revelation. It is called Revelation, not Revelations. And the reason that's important is because this book does not contain multiple revelations, but the revelation of King Jesus. Now, to many people, the book of Revelation is scary and mysterious. But as we have seen, the key to understanding this book is in seeing how it reveals Jesus. Revelation does not seek to hide truths from us, but to unveil, to make known the truth to us. Jesus, His power, His glory, His ultimate victory is what this book reveals. Jesus won, Jesus wins, and Jesus will always win. And nowhere is that more clear in the book of Revelation than in chapter Five. So follow along as I read this chapter of God's Word over us. Revelation chapter 5, John says, Then I saw 
In the right hand of Him who was seated on the throne, a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered, so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and in the sea, and all that is in them saying, to Him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb be blessing, and honor, and glory, and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. This is the Word of God. May God write its truth on our hearts. Last week we saw in Revelation chapter 4 that the Apostle John was transported into heaven, into the very throne room of God. God is on the throne of the universe and He is continually praised by the heavenly beings. He is great and glorious and beyond our comprehension. He is holy, holy, holy. 
and He lives forever and ever. And John gets this special glimpse into this whole scene. And in the midst of this exuberant praise, in the midst of observing what is going on around the throne, John sees something else beginning in chapter 5. And God wants us to see what John saw as well. The reason we have Revelation 5 in our Bible is because God wants us to see what John saw. And so notice what John sees. He sees an extremely important object in God the Father's right hand. Now the right hand is the hand of power. This is the hand that God rules with. And in His hand, God the Father sitting on the throne of the universe, in His right hand, He has a scroll. Now a scroll is kind of like a book But instead of having pages bound together, a scroll is one long page rolled up. And so scrolls were often over 30 feet long when they were completely unrolled. And so the best way to read a scroll would be just to unroll a little bit at a time. Notice this scroll in verse 1. John wants us to see this scroll. He says the scroll is sealed with seven seals. Now, a seal on a scroll was basically a way to authenticate and secure the contents of that scroll. When it was all rolled up, they would put a dab of wax on there, and that wax would keep that scroll sealed. If you really wanted to authenticate it as true, you would place a a signet ring while that wax was drying so that they would say only a certain few could open this seal. The more seals a scroll had, the more important, the more secure it was. And as we've seen already in Revelation, seven is the number of completion. It's the number of perfection. And so this scroll is perfectly sealed. It is secure and it is very important. But even though this this scroll is sealed securely, John can tell that this scroll in the Father's right hand has writing on the front and on the back of the scroll. This basically means that the scroll is maxed out. There is nothing else you can write on this scroll. It is totally filled on the front and on the back. It is complete. It is Total. Now, the question is, what is this scroll? What is written on this scroll? What does this scroll contain? Well, as we're going to see in the next few chapters of the book of Revelation, as these seals are opened, we learn that the scroll represents the entirety of God's plan for salvation and judgment for the rest of history. This scroll could not be more epic. It contains all of God's plans and purposes for salvation and for judgment for the rest of history. This scroll contains the redemptive plan, sovereign plan of God for history. Listen, this scroll contains God's plan for our personal history, for your and my personal history, but also for the world's history. 
And so it would be impossible right now to overstate the significance of this scroll in God's right hand. But since this scroll is sealed with seven seals, what is written in this scroll, the plans and purposes of God, cannot take place. Human history, salvation, and judgment are dependent on this scroll being open. It is dependent on someone opening these seals. And that's the question that, the, that this mighty angel asked in verse 2. Notice it's a mighty angel. Not, not just a normal angel. <laughs> Whatever that is. But a mighty angel. Notice this mighty angel asked this question in a loud voice. This was not a whisper. It was not a conversation with just he and John. A loud voice. Notice verse 2. And I saw... Notice. John saw this. I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? This is the question of this chapter. Who is worthy? Is there anyone worthy to enact the sovereign plan of God? Is there anyone worthy to open this scroll and to break its seals? And in verse 3, the news of crushing disappointment is given. As everyone waited for this question to be answered, there was a deafening silence. A devastating no. No one was worthy enough to open this scroll. There's no heavenly angel, no exalted saint, no strong creature who was worthy to break these seals and open the scroll. Notice, friends, what it says. There's not even anyone worthy to look into the scroll, much less open the scroll. Abraham is not worthy. Moses not worthy. David not worthy. Paul not worthy. Peter not worthy. This mighty angel not worthy. Gabriel or the angel, archangel. Michael not worthy. The four living creatures not worthy. The 24 elders sitting on thrones around the throne not worthy. The scroll and its seals represent God's plan to judge and to save people. And so if no one can open the scroll and break its seals, the human race is doomed. History is finished. It's overdone. No more. And so in verse 4, John's response is the only appropriate one. The only appropriate response is that John begins to weep loudly. There's no hope. All is lost. History is finished. Only grief. Only despair. The scroll must remain sealed because no one is found worthy to open the scroll. But in verse 5, there is a dramatic revelation. In this moment of crushing disappointment, one of the elders of heaven makes an announcement. Now, as we discussed last week, the term elders is not referring to a church leadership position here. 
These 24 elders in Revelation 4 and 5 seem to be majestic, angelic representatives of all redeemed humanity. These elders are sitting on thrones. These elders are casting their crowns before the Lord continually. And notice what this particular elder says to John in verse 5. And One of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, or look, or see the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has conquered so that He can open the scroll and its seven seals. This elder says, no reason to weep. No reason for despair. There is one worthy to open the scroll. There is one worthy to break the seals. Who is it? Who is worthy to enact God's plan of salvation and judgment? Who is able to unroll the scroll and see history come to its appointed end? He's called here the Lion of the tribe of Judah. That is, He's the one who was promised way back in Genesis 49 who would rule over His brothers whom no one could stand against. Also, the one worthy to open the scroll is called the Root of David. This is a reference to Isaiah 11 and the promise that there would be a son of Jesse, that's David's father, who would reign as glorious. And so this heavenly elder says, the Lion of Judah, the Root of David, has done what? Has conquered. And because He has conquered, He is worthy. And notice, He is able to open the scroll. Not only is He worthy, but He can actually open it. This is, this is clearly a reference to the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Jesus has conquered through His death and through His resurrection, He is worthy and He is able to put into motion the sovereign plan of the Father. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of David who conquered just as the Old Testament prophesied He would. And thus, He is able to open the scroll. And so John looked, just as the elder told him to look in verse 6, he looked and he saw a lamb standing near the throne. Remember all of the activity that happened around the throne in chapter 4. And, here, and here's a lamb standing near the throne. Now wait a second. In verse 5, John was told about a lion. But he looks and he sees a lamb. And he sees a lamb standing as though it had been slain. What does this mean? Well, the standing of the Lamb represents the victory of the Lamb. It represents Him conquering. It represents His resurrection, in other words. Yes, He was slain like a sacrificial lamb led to the slaughter for the sake of His people, but He is now standing in triumph. The Lamb was victorious over death. You see, Jesus conquered not as a lion mauls his opponents, but as a sacrificial lamb. This is why Jesus is worthy to break the seals and to open the scroll because this is the way He conquered. You see, Jesus conquered 
Not, not like we think of kings conquering today, subduing their enemies and overtaking them viciously. He conquered by laying down His own life as a sacrificial lamb. This conquering lamb is a sacrificial lamb. But it's no ordinary sacrificial lamb. Notice this lamb has seven horns. We're going to see in the book of Revelation, horns symbolize strength. They symbolize power. And how many horns does this lamb have? Seven. Which represents completeness, fullness. He has perfect strength. In other words, he's a lion-like lamb. And this lamb has seven eyes which represents the sending of the fullness of the Holy Spirit into the world. He has perfect omniscience, perfect wisdom. First, think about how glorious Jesus is in this picture in the throne room of heaven. He is unlike anything that we have categories to understand. He's a lamb-like lion who lays down his life as a sacrifice, and he's a lion-like lamb who conquers with perfect power and wisdom. And so in verse 7, we see that Jesus actually does have the authority to take the scroll from God the Father. This is majestic verse, verse 7. I mean, just consider verse 7. After all that has been said, and He, that is the Lamb, went and took the scroll from the right hand of Him who is seated on the throne. He is worthy to take the scroll and to break its seals because He is the Lamb who was slain. He is unworthy to unroll the scroll of history because He was slain and He rose victoriously from the dead. One of the things we learn from Revelation chapter 5 is that the key that unlocks history is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The slain but standing Lamb has conquered. Friends, let's learn this epic truth from this chapter. The death and resurrection of Jesus is the center of history. If He had not died and rose from the dead, He could not unroll the scroll of history. He is worthy precisely because He conquered. Because He is the slain Lamb standing. Listen, friends, if you don't trust Jesus as the Lord of your life, I pray that this picture of His glory and His majesty would compel you to see that life apart from Jesus is a wasted life. If this is ultimate reality, if Revelation 5 is proclaiming to us something that is truer than true, something that is reality that God wants us to know, then what does that mean for your life? Friends, if Jesus is the center of history, if His death and resurrection is the key to unlocking all of history, then He ought to be the center of your life and your heart. He willingly gave Himself His own life on the cross for sinners just like you and me. If we turn from our sin, if we trust in Jesus alone, He will forgive us of all of our sin and He will give us an eternal relationship with Him. And so Revelation chapter 5 is proclaiming to you, trust this Lamb. Believe in this Lamb. Cling to Him with all of your heart. Friends, take this all in. 
even though everything in our lives seems to be messed up and broken in the here and now, even though everything is not yet right in all the earth, even though we suffer unjustly, even though wickedness runs rampant, there is a plan that is being unveiled in heaven. There is an unfolding plan that God the Father is enacting through the sacrifice of His Son. The Lamb was slain in order to unlock the sovereign plan of the Father. And so that's why Revelation 5 was given to John and thus given to the church so that it would give us hope in the midst of the discouragements of this life. Even though it, it's messed up in the here and now, we realize that the plan is being enacted. The plan is unfolding. God is on the throne and the Lamb has conquered. Indeed, He is worthy. God is on the throne and the Lamb is worthy. Revelation chapter 4 and 5 is the ultimate reality of the universe. The, God is on the throne and the Lamb has conquered. Indeed, He is worthy. He is worthy. And thus, friends, we ought to respond to these truths in the same way that the heavenly creatures respond to this great news. How does heaven respond to these truths? How does heaven respond to the worthiness of the Lamb who was slain, who conquered? Look at verse 8. And when He had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy. As the creatures of heaven fall down in worship before the Lamb. They worship the Lamb just as vigorously as they worship God the Father, which reminds us that Jesus is fully God. Notice they worship the Lamb with harps, which signifies joy. And they have golden bowls full of the prayers of the saints, which it says is a sweet incense, a sweet aroma to the one sitting on the throne. Just side point here about verse 8. Don't think that your prayers for God's will to be done and for His name to be known are meaningless. They are not meaningless. They are kept in golden bowls and used in the worship of heaven. Your and my prayers for God's will to be done, for His name to be known, are kept in golden bowls and they're used by the creatures of heaven to bring sweet incense to the one sitting on the throne. And friends, what happens in verses 9-14 through 14 is unspeakably glorious. This is worship around the throne that is, that is awe-inspiring. All of creation humbly and gladly sing new songs to the Lamb and to the one sitting on the throne. Just notice what happens here. In verses 9 and 10, the 24 elders and the four living creatures compose a new song, a magnificent song of praise to the Lamb. We'll come back to verses 9 and 10 in a moment. But look at verses 11 and 12. A choir of angels too vast to even count loudly proclaim the worth of the Lamb. It says myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands of angels singing, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Can you imagine this choir? 
hundreds and thousands and myriads of angels singing worthy to the Lamb. In fact, notice in verse 12 that these myriads of angels loudly declare a sevenfold praise to the Lamb. He is worthy to receive what? What is He worthy to receive? Power, wealth, wisdom, might, honor, glory, and blessing. I think it's sevenfold to say He's worthy of all the praise. He's worthy of it all. And then in verse 13, every creature, not just myriads and myriads, not just thousands and thousands, but every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea begin praising God. Don't, don't ask me how every creature in the sea praises God or how the host of heaven heard it. I don't know what this looked like or sounded like, but the praise of all creation reverberated through the halls of heaven Notice verse 14. The four living creatures said, Amen. That is, so be it. And the elders fell down and worshipped. The awesomeness of this scene is incomprehensible. The four living creatures declare, Amen. And the 24 elders continue their ceaseless, glad, and humble worship to the One on the throne and to the Lamb because He alone is worthy. Because He was slain. Because He is able to open the scroll. Beloved, what do they sing about in heaven? What do they sing about in heaven? What's the theme of the song of the Holy of Holies? What's the anthem of pure and majestic angels? What has all of creation so captivated that it loudly shouts, Amen? It's Jesus, right? It's Jesus is the center and focus of heavenly worship. When the angels sing, they sing about Jesus. This, they sing of His worth. They sing of His might. They sing of His power. They sing of His glory. They sing He is worthy. And what is it that the heavenly creatures rejoice in specifically? What is it that they're rejoicing in? What is it that causing them to shout with loud shouts and exuberant praises? What do they intentionally praise them for? Notice verse 9. Notice this heavenly choir sings this new song and they say that Jesus is worthy to take the scroll and to open his seals. And the reason he's worthy is because he was slain. And by His blood, He has accomplished something. It is specifically the accomplishment of the death of Jesus that is celebrated in heaven. You, you want to see the death and resurrection as the center of all of history? It's right here. What is it that they celebrate? They celebrate the Lamb was slain and He accomplished something in His death. What is it? In His death, Jesus ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Think of the awesome accomplishment of the slain Lamb. His death paid the ransom for people out of every tribe on the face of the earth. Jesus purchased people from every people group and language. Listen, Jesus didn't just he didn't just purchase people from one ethnicity or a few ethnicities. He purchased people for God for, from every tribe. 
He has taken His people from every kingdom. And notice what He has done. He has made them a kingdom of priests to reign with Him forever. This is why He is worthy of worship. This is why He's worthy of your complete and total devotion. Because He was slain and by His blood, He purchased people for God from every tribe and tongue and language and nation. Think with me just for another minute about the implications of verse 9. Verse 9 says that Jesus died to intentionally ransom a diverse community of worshipers. Jesus didn't just happen to do this. This wasn't just a sort of byproduct of His death. No, this was the intentional effect of it. He died to make this happen. Not to merely ransom people from one language or nation, but people from every ethnic group. And so not only does Jesus make this happen through His death, but the implication is that He wants people from every tribe to be reconciled to Him. Listen, Jesus doesn't just tolerate diversity. He died to show how valuable it is. He didn't just tolerate diversity like we do. He died to see, for us to see how valuable diversity is to Him. The implication of verse 9 for missions is unmistakable. Friends, whenever we send, or, uh, send missionaries or pay for missionaries or pray for missionaries, we are getting involved in the very purpose for which Jesus died. We are part of the plan of God that was purchased at the cross. And friends, the implication of verse 9 for the sin of racism is unmistakable. Whenever we are prejudiced against people who look differently or talk differently or live differently than we do, we are undermining the very reason that Jesus laid down His life. He died to gather an ethnically diverse group of worshipers. And so who are we to separate ourselves from the very people that Jesus wants us to be in harmony with? This is why racism is so evil. Because it's so diametrically opposed to the accomplishment of the death of Jesus. God intends for these ransom people from every tribe and language and nation to be in profound harmony with one another. In verse 10, it says, Jesus has made them to be a kingdom of priests to reign together forever. Listen, friends, Jesus paid a great price. He was slain to ransom this diverse kingdom of people. Jesus suffered and bled and died. He was forsaken by His Father to make this happen. And notice why He ransomed these people. Why? The creatures in heaven sing in verse 9, For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God. Jesus ransomed this vast array of people for the glory of His Father. In other words, this was the mission that he was sent to accomplish. This was the plan of God to gather people from every tribe and language and people and nation to worship the Lamb and the One on the throne. And so Revelation 5 invites us to worship Jesus and love missions. Worship Jesus and love missions. Worship Jesus because He alone is worthy. There's none like Him whom all of heaven worships. He's the slain Lamb who purchased our redemption and who reigns in victory. 
and get involved in His global purpose. Our God is not just the God of Israel. He is the Lord of all. He's not just an American God. He deserves worship from all people and nations and languages. And He wants His sons and daughters to be engaged in this global purpose. What a great Savior we have. He deserves worship. He deserves to be embraced by all peoples on this earth. May we love His glory enough to do whatever it takes to take His name, to take His glory to all of creation. May we join this heavenly chorus with all of our lives, singing worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and glory and honor and blessing to Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Let's pray. Oh Lord, forever and ever, forever and ever, You are worthy of all the praise of all of creation. And so, Lord, we pray again, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May You be worshipped with glad-hearted obedience and submission by Your people today. And may Your name be known and cherished in all of creation. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. We sing worthy is the Lamb. We pray all these things in Jesus' great name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing together.